0: Hi, this is Cindy Godwin, pastor of Summit Church, and this is Our Chosen Podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope that it helps build up your faith and remind you that God has chosen you and set you apart for His purpose. Enjoy the message. How many of you have ever been damaged? I'm just curious if you've been damaged. I mean, Amy, you're a therapist. You see damage like every day. We've all been damaged, and it's very easy if you're not aware to allow that damage to bring bitterness. And, And I saw so clearly, I actually saw a river of bitter water. And if you remember when the children of Israel were thirsty, they were wandering in the wilderness. By then they were in disobedience because we know that the journey from Egypt to the promised land was an 11-day journey. And how long did it take them? 40, Forty years. years. Because they didn't believe. And they were thirsty. And they were crying out for water in the wilderness. And remember they came to a place and when they tasted the water it was what? Bitter. And Moses took what? A tree. What did the tree represent? The cross. Curses everyone who hangs on a tree, Galatians 3.13. He took a tree representing the all-sufficient cross of Christ. And when he threw it into the bitter waters, the waters became sweet. The answer to the bitterness is the cross. It's loving the cross. Whereby we receive redemption from all of our sins through the precious blood. So I want to encourage you today. Examine your heart. I know all of us have been hurt at some point or another, whether by circumstance or people. But if that's you, check your heart because bitterness will prevent you from receiving the fullness of the promise. And it's insidious. I mean, there's times where the Lord has said, you're offended with that person. And I'm like, what? (laughs) I didn't realize I was or I wouldn't have done it, right? Right. But in Hebrews 12, there's a strong warning that a root of bitterness will trouble you and defile others. And the only one that can deal with that is you. So I'm just saying today, this could be for everyone. It could be for one person, but I know it's at least for one person. Check your heart. And if there's any root of bitterness there, then deal with it. I am going to talk to you today. The title of this message is Stop Performing. You Already Qualified. And I'm going to give you my testimony, and it's my testimony. This is not to offend anybody or any denomination. Excuse me, I do need to drink water. I was actually, I stand in the back because I sing really loud, and it would really throw off the worship team. So, (laughs) and so it's my story, and it may not be your story. And so if you happen to know what I'm talking about, don't be offended. This is my story. And, and, and sometimes we judge ourselves by other people's stories, and that's just not righteous. So I just want you to hear me. This is not against any group of Christianity. It's just what happened to me. But first of all, I want to establish something very, very plainly. The reason that you and I qualify for all of the goodness that we just worship God about and all the blessing of God is for one reason and one reason only. And that one reason and one reason only is that Jesus qualified us when he gave his life on the cross. It's not because of anything you do right or anything you do wrong. Pam shared earlier her testimony of when people were called in to say their goodbyes because she was dying From COVID. And you didn't give me credit because I do am part of that story. (laughs) I was really actually waiting. So I'll just go ahead and blow my own horn. (laughs) And so the family was called and I was called. I got a text saying, if if you want to see Pam for a last time, you need to, to FaceTime her. Because they're getting ready to put her on a respirator. And she probably won't survive. And I was irate. And beside totally offending and telling off the person that contacted me, which I did do. I sat in my chair and I said, I'm not doing this without her. Just letting you know, Lord. You know, the Bible says we complete our case. And it was actually from that point you turned. But according to her testimony, which is the true testimony, the Lord gave her a choice. He said, are you ready to come be with me, or do you want to stay? And she said, Psalm 91, 16, I'm not satisfied. And it was actually from that point, which I'm sure was the exact point, <laughs> positive, that she turned. She's never even thanked me. Thank you, thank you. You're welcome. I'm playing. You know I am. But what I want you to see from that is she didn't give the Lord a list of the things that she had done right that caused her to qualify because the truth is we can't. You know, I could get any credit card in the world. You know why? I have perfect credit. Totally debt-free. And people all the time are trying to get me to apply for their credit card and they always say these words, you are pre-qualified. And that is what the Lord is saying to us today. You are pre-qualified. Not because you qualified, but because Jesus did. 2 Corinthians 3, 5 and 6. Not that we are fit and qualified and sufficient in ability of ourselves to form personal judgments or to claim or count anything as coming from us. But our power and ability and sufficiency are from God. It is he who has qualified us, making us fit and worthy and sufficient as ministers of the new covenant of salvation through Christ and through the Holy Spirit who makes us alive. You see, he qualified you. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any person is engrafted in Christ, he is a new creation. That means if you've given your heart to Jesus, that one-third of you, your spirit man, is a new creation. And look what happens. All things have passed away. Behold, the fresh and you has come. How? Because you've given your heart to Jesus. If you haven't done that today when we pray, you just say, Jesus, I give you my life. Forgive me for my sins. Take my life and fulfill your purpose for me. It's that easy. And then you you just get into a good Bible-teaching church like this one and learn the Word of God. Be disciples. We have discipleship classes here to teach you to spread the good news if you don't know how. It's my favorite thing to do. When I turned 70, some of my grandchildren, especially the oldest of the grandchildren, stood up, and I made them do this, but they did it and say something to me. And my grandson, William, I, I keep it in my Bible, He said, Mimi, I love to hear you tell people about Jesus. All of our children and grandchildren should be able to say that about us. I love to hear you tell people about Jesus. That's making a disciple. You go and you tell people about Jesus and then teach them to live according to what he said. Well, I don't know how to do that. Well, the Gospels are the life of Jesus while he was on earth. And the letters, the epistles, we call them the epistles, tell you how to live the life. Simple, right? One of my great mentors, Dr. Charles Culpepper, who has since gone to heaven, he would always teach, and he was part of a phenomenal revival in Shantung, China, a literal revival where impossible sicknesses were just healed like that, including his own wife who was going totally blind Missionaries lined up and prayed for her. When the last one came to pray for her was Miss Bertha Smith, who passed away short of 100 years old. She was a firecracker. She changed my husband's life, and I think I've told you the story of how one of the they he would go to Glorietta and Miss Bertha Smith would be there. I, I mean, she was absolutely a torpedo. And I remember Brandy telling me because it, it honestly scared him in a holy way that this woman said, oh, Miss Bertha, pray for my husband. He smokes and he drinks and he swears. You know, the, did you know that the apostles swore? Our religion just gets all freaked out, but Peter had a bad mouth. I really hate to view, change your view of him, but... I kind of think Jesus did too, because some of the things he called the Pharisees were not nice. Now, that's not giving you permission to be profane. I'm just saying. And she was just, oh, Miss Bertha, my husband. And you know, Miss Bertha, she said, where's your husband? He's back in whatever state. This was taking place in New Mexico. He's back in whatever state. He's just drinking and smoking. And she slapped her. Miss Bertha slapped the woman. She said, you wicked woman. Get off your knees and you go be with your husband. You live the life of Christ before him. You know, 1 Peter 3, 1 says, if your husband doesn't obey the word, you win him without a word. And this is my paraphrase. When they see you living out the word, not preaching to them, you win them without a word. Oh my gosh, that's hard. I mean, if you're a woman, I'm just saying. So, behold, all things are from God. This is verse 18 of 2 Corinthians 5. All things are from God who through Jesus Christ reconciled us to himself and gave to us the ministry of reconciliation that by word and deed we might aim to bring others into harmony with him. It was God present in Christ reconciling and restoring the world to himself, not counting up and holding against men their trespasses, but canceling them and committing to us the message of reconciliation. So, We are Christ's ambassadors. God making his appeal as it were through us. We beg you for his sake to lay hold of the divine favor now offered to you and be reconciled to God. For our sake he made Christ, who knew no sin to be sent on our behalf, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. When God, when Father looks at me, he sees Jesus. He sees my spirit. He says, you're in right standing with, with my Father For one reason, the blood of the cross. It's the only reason. And so my background, I was raised in a church of works and performance. It was hard enough because I'm a firstborn. How many firstborns are in the audience? Raise your hand, let me see you. Oh my goodness, there's a lot of firstborns here. And there is a book, Cindy, did we ever have the Sanfords at our church? Did we? We did, didn't we? Because that's when we had a life change, isn't it? Right. And wasn't their book, Transformation of the Inner Man? Okay, so John and Paula Sanford wrote a book called Transformation of the Inner Man. And there's this huge section on firstborns and how firstborns tend to be very performance-oriented. And what does that mean? It means based on your performance, you're accepted. Well, I was what you'd call a mess up. There's stronger words for it, but I'm just telling you, I mean, I messed up every time I turned around. And I was required to confess my sins before men. Now, that's not biblical. The Bible says there is one mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ. You don't have to confess your sins to a man to be forgiven. And then after I did that, I was given penance. I had to say a certain amount of prayers or do certain amount of deeds in order that I could get pardoned for my sins. Unbiblical. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. But from the time I was a little girl until I was 20 years old, that was ingrained into me. Now, I just talked to Amy. Aren't your neurons pretty formed by the time you're 20? So, I mean, I'm telling the truth, right? She's a professional therapist, okay? Don't leave her alone. Make an appointment. (laughs) I just don't want to say anything inaccurate. So my brain, in other words, my brain was set that I had to perform to earn God's approval. Now, that may not be your story. But if I asked you, how many of you have approval addiction? Where you have to have people's approval to be okay. So let me just ask you. Not present tense. How many of you have ever struggled with approval addiction? You had to have approval, man's approval, to be okay. Let me see your hands. I'm raising mine. So you can see that's rampant. In fact, I think it was Joyce Meyer wrote a whole book called Approval Addiction. I haven't read it, but the title is probably tells you what's in the book. So I was very performance-oriented. Performance And because of that, I always felt punished if my performance lacked. So I had church performance, firstborn performance, and I got punished when I didn't perform correctly, which was very frequently. And and I'm telling you, I was just one big mess. And I struggled with it for decades. Because see, here's what the result of that is, if that's you today. The result of that is I couldn't receive from God unless I dotted every I and crossed every T. And I have good news for you today. Grace is always and 100% on God's part. Faith is our part. In other words, God's unmerited unearned, undeserved favor, which is the definition of grace through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice is freely offered to every one of us. Romans 5, 17 says, those who listen, receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness will rule and reign with Christ Jesus. So those who receive the abundance of grace, that means I have to activate my faith to take unearned, undeserved, and unmerited favor. But if you think you have to qualify for it, you just negated the grace of God. You need to see this to be okay. Still sometime today, one of the most frequently asked questions of Christians is, what do I have to do to receive the blessings of God? Or what do I have to do to be healed? Or what do I have to do to get this promise fulfilled in my life? You know what Jesus said to Jairus? I mean, Jairus' daughter was dead. They said, don't trouble him anymore. She's dead. And you know what Jesus said? Fear not, only believe. Fear not, why? Because the grace for your daughter to be well is already provided through me. But faith is on your part. I love one translation. It says, stop the fear. Fear of a God who punishes. Fear of a God whose approval you have to gain or earn will block the promised blessings from you. I don't have it in front of me, but there's a scripture, um, I think it's in the Passion. And it says, I had it up on my lamp, actually. I had these sticky notes all over my lamp until finally it got obnoxious. But it says, I trust in the all-sufficient cross of Christ alone. It's not about what I do, it's about what he did. It's not about what I do wrong, it's about what he did right. And that has to go from here to here. So grace has nothing to do with you or me. It has everything to do with what jesus did when he gave his life and shed his blood but i have to use what's already in me yeah. belief faith in him and the apostle paul says i live my life by faith in the son of god some translations saying galatians 2:20." i live my life by the faith of the son of god because jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith hebrews 12 2 So all I have to do is not look outward, but look inward to Jesus because he lives in me, Romans 8. So I'm going to tell you, though, how do you get delivered from this, I have to qualify, I have to perform, I have to be good enough to receive from God? The first thing you have to do is know who you are and whose you are. And I'm going to tell you who that is right now. Romans 8, 14 through 17. All who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For the spirit which you have now received is not a spirit of slavery to put you once more in bondage to fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption in the bliss of which we cry, Abba, Father, Father. The Spirit himself testifies together with our own spirit, assuring us, assuring us that we are children of God. And if we are his children, how do you know that? Jesus, you are my Savior and you are my Lord. Take over my life. The other day I just went through Romans 6 again. I'm dead to sin, but I'm alive to God. I present all my members and all my faculties as instruments of righteousness. I renounce the the, the dominion of sin. Sin has no dominion over me. I am not under the law, I am under grace. That's all in Romans 6. So I present myself, I surrender myself to you, Lord. I will not be a slave of sin. I will not be a slave of bitterness. I will not be a slave of offense. I will not be a slave of unrighteous anger. I will not be a slave of gossip. I will not be a slave of envy. I will not be a slave of jealousy. I will not be a slave of a bad temper. I will not be a slave of worry. I will not be a slave of fear. I will not be a slave of anxiety. I will not be a slave of depression. I will not be a slave of doubt. I will not be a slave of unbelief. I will not, on and on and on, right? You Fill in your blank. I will not be a slave. The devil, you will not master me. I have already mastered you through Jesus Christ. I told you that for summer 2024, I wrote a Bible study. It's called Unpunished, A Journey of Redemption. And it's just my whole testimony, much more than I'm giving here, of how I just always feared God was going to punish me because I wasn't enough. Because I didn't know, I didn't know that I could have free grace all because of Jesus. And until we get our mind and our heart off of us and and fix it solely on the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to suffer with guilt and condemnation and all those other horrible, horrible things. You know, I was reading, this is totally off the subject, but this is awesomely cool. Uh, Tiffany, where are you, Tiffany? (laughs) Tiffany, bring a phone. You're supposed to be at my beck and call. (laughs) Will you please? Tiffany, will you please look up Ephesians 6? And I think verse 14 is what I want. But just do Ephesians 6 and let me find it. This is probably all of you seen this, but I I bet you haven't. You know, because we're always the devil, the devil, the devil, the devil, the devil. Well, I have good news for you today. The devil is a defeated foe. Colossians 2 says that Jesus disarmed him of power. He triumphed over him openly at Calvary. And you do know that he did go to hell, don't you? Where do you think he spent those days? He went to hell and he prorated his victorious blood throughout all of hell. All right, so this is the armor of God. Are you ready? ready. Verse 11, I was wrong. It's Ephesians six eleven. Put on the full armor of God. For his precepts are like the splendid armor of a heavily armed soldier, so that you may be able, ready, to successfully stand up against, here you go, all the schemes, strategies, and deceits of the devil. That's what we're warring against, his deceptions. That's why the apostle Paul said, we, thank you, honey, we are not ignorant of his devices. That's the only power he has over you is deception. He's already been defeated. 1 John 3, 8. The Son of God appeared for this purpose. Hear me now. To destroy the works the devil has done. That word destroy is the Greek word luo, L-U-O. And it means to dissolve, undo, loosen, and untie. For this purpose, he was manifested. He's already done the work. He's not going to do... There's not going to be another cross, people. It is finished. Tetelestai, he meant it. He meant it. It's up to us now. And I told you last week, and this probably makes people super mad, I can't find one time where Jesus ever... Ask the Father to heal anybody. He took authority. And then he gave it to the disciples. What about Acts chapter 3? With the man, lame man at the gate, beautiful. Silver and gold have I none, but what I do have I give unto you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. He didn't say, oh, Father, I beg you. I beg you to heal him. No. Did you know when you start saying, please, God, you're begging? kind of like the children please 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 until they wear you down it doesn't work that way it doesn't work that way with the father he just took his rightful place even when he raised lazarus from the dead he said father i already know that you hear me but so that they'll know lazarus come forth he walked in authority And before he went to the cross, he said, behold, I give you authority. That's going to be our next chosen. Chosen 2024. So guess what? Walk in it now and you'll have testimonies by the time we get there. Because he gave us power to use exousias, his authority. I better stop because I I could just do a whole message out of this and then I won't have a message for chosen. Romans 8, 17. If we're children, we're his heirs, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ. Listen, only we must share his suffering. Oh, we don't like that. Did you know that Greek word suffering in this passage means persecution in like manner as Jesus? That means people will hate you. They won't like you. But grace is free. I like the acrostic, God's riches at Christ's expense. He paid for it already. I don't have to pay for it by my performance. And you know what? I'm just going to be raw to you. There, are, I still have to renew my mind in that, that I don't have to earn it. Again, this was ingrained in me till I was 20 years old. I had to earn everything based on my performance. If I was good, I got rewarded. If I wasn't good, I got punished. But the punishment... Isaiah 53, 5, the punishment I needed to obtain peace and well-being fell on him. And by his wounds, I was healed. When Jesus suffered in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Father, if it be possible, take this what? Cup. What cup was he talking about? It was the cup of punishment, the cup of God's wrath and holy, righteous anger where he would bear the sins for the whole world. Do you know that he's already forgiven the whole world? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. For the, God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Christ is our message. In this church, Christ is our message. And I'm, I'm sure he is in your church too. So religion says you got to perform to qualify. I have so many papers up here. I could put them in a book. Okay. I remember when I was 10 years old, I was standing in a store in North Kinston, North Carolina. And it was called the Diana shop. And my aunts, my aunt Juliette and my aunt Marie ran that shop. They ran it for many, many, many years. And we would drive in for Christmas, and it, would, it took three days to get from San Antonio to Kinston, North Carolina, in a station wagon with four girls laying in the back of the station wagon, throwing up from being car sick. So don't ask me why I don't like to travel. I had a lot of bad experiences, a lot of bad experiences, more than I can even tell you Traveling. And so, and when I do travel, it's, gonna, it's like Queen of Sheba travel, okay? I don't stay in dirty hotels anymore or anything like that. So, so uh, we would drive into Kinston, and it was like a Hallmark movie, literally. Anybody ever been to Kinston or a little town in the Carolinas? Oh, you haven't lived. Okay, one person. <laughs> Literally like a Hallmark movie where there's snow and these little shops and garland hanging on every store and banners going across the the street from one end to the other with Merry Christmas. And it was, was, honestly, it was storybook. It was beautiful. And we would come driving into town. I mean, there were no cell phones. My aunts just had an idea of when we would be arriving. And they would be waiting outside in the cold. And they would be jumping, I mean, jumping up and down. My Aunt Juliette was very demonstrative and waving. And they were just so excited for us to be there. And I would go spend the day with my sister Kathy uh, in the Diana shop. And I'll never forget one day this lady came in. And I was more than five years older than my sister. And so I was 10 at the time. And my Aunt Marie used to call 10 the iffy stage. You know what that is? Now, I don't think that. It's where you don't know if this child is going to stay ugly. That's, I'm just telling you, that's what she said. That was more of my brain damage, so to speak. So I'm 10, Kathy's 5, cute, just the cutest little girl. Long, 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 long curls. And... Uh, big old brown eyes. And we were standing in the store and this lady walks up and she looks down at my sister Kathy and she said, you are the most beautiful child I've ever seen. And then she looked at me, iffy, (laughs) and she said, don't you think she's so beautiful? You know what I heard? You are so ugly. And it marked me and I went through my whole teenage years thinking about how ugly I was. Now, I'm an adult now, and that's ridiculous. But it wasn't ridiculous to me. So by the time I was 12 years old, I was wearing... and Now, this is before eyelash extensions and all that stuff, okay? This was not in vogue. And I wore two to three pairs of false eyelashes and blue eyeliner, and I did the cattail... That's why I hardly wear makeup now, okay? Because I got tired of it real young. And I, I, you can see I have a lot of hair. I shouldn't do this because I don't know what's going to happen when I put it down. But I, I wore a hair piece in my lot of hair. I did. And then falls came out. Who remembers falls? For those of you who are going, what is a fall? It was this big, long, long hair like this. And you would work it underneath your own hair. I guess now they're called extensions. but I'm just telling you how we suffered in the old days. And I put that fall on and I had hair down to here. My real hair was down to here, but it was down to here. I did everything I could to cover up that I was just an iffy until I met Jesus. And I began to see myself through the mirror of his word. And you know what he says when he looks at me and when he looks at you? He says, my darling, you are altogether lovely, and I find no fault in you. I'll never forget the day he spoke that to me. One translation says, everything about you is beautiful. And it changed the way I saw myself. So I don't need the three pairs of false eyelashes and the cattail blue eyeliner anymore. I don't need that anymore. I don't need five layers of makeup. And it's okay if you do that for the right reasons. My nephew is an internationally known makeup artist now. He's one of the faces of Ulta. And he's actually going to come do our makeup for my granddaughter's wedding. I'm going to let him do whatever he wants. He can cake it <laughs> off. But I pulled up his Instagram and I said, this is how I want to look. And he... So anyway, (laughs) Romans, no, John 1, 16, for out of his fullness, abundance, listen, out of his abundance, we have all received and grace upon grace and blessing upon blessing and favor heaped upon favor and gift heaped upon gift. What do you have to do to live a life of grace upon grace? What does it say? Receive. Grace is free. Grace is God's part. Faith is my part. Romans 4, 16. Therefore, inheriting the promise is the outcome of faith. And it depends entirely on faith. Are you ready? In order that it might be given as an act of grace unmerited favor you see receiving the promise depends on faith but it's given as an act of grace undeserved unmerited unearned unqualified unperformed all done by the lord jesus christ and i thank him so much to make it stable valid and guaranteed to all of the descendants of abraham to all who share the faith of abraham the father of us all Romans 4, 16, the passion is really cool. The promise depends on faith so that it can be experienced as a grace gift and is now extended to all of the descendants of Abraham. So I'm going to read you something. And then I'm going to tell you, this is so neat that the Lord gave me yesterday. I was so excited. All right, this is Russ Walden. You know, I love him. And I think this was on October 24th. And I was actually meditating on this because honestly, I have to keep my mind renewed. And when I start getting back into works mentality, that I have to perform to be healed. I have to perform to get the blessing. I have to perform to have peace. I have to perform, 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 perform. It's no wonder everybody's exhausted. You don't have to perform. You just have to receive. Isn't it so dishonoring to God when we try to qualify to receive what he's already given to us? The Father says today, Your standing in my kingdom is not based on your worth or your holiness, but on who I am. What I did for you 2,000 years ago, I am Jehovah Sidkenu, your righteousness. I'm not acting in your life because of who you are or what you've done. My righteousness alone validates my purpose to move in your life, putting you over, you over the top as you humble yourself in heart, mind and action, conforming to my word and my will. And so far as you understand it, I am not waiting for you to be perfect before I bless you. I'm not waiting for you to clean up your act before I move in your life. I'm not waiting for you to become someone else before I show you my love. I am moving in your life today because I am your righteousness. I am your validation. I know you feel discouraged and unworthy, but I want you to know that my love for you is unconditional. My righteousness is not based on your performance. It is based on my perfect character working in you against every aspect of your personality that does not originate in my divine character. Re. Receive it. Your past is erased. You're made new. You are now qualified to receive all the blessings I have in store for you. You are qualified to be healed. Qualified to prosper. Qualified to be successful. And to be used in me in mighty ways. So don't try to earn my favor or my blessings. Just receive my righteousness as a free gift. And then... Step out in faith, knowing that I am with you and I will help you accomplish everything I've called you to do. Cultivate the Christ's mind. That's not up here. It's your spirit. Condition yourself to respond in every situation in the manner that I myself would respond if I were in that same circumstance. My nature makes you eligible and victorious. Meditate on the scripture that talk about my righteousness. Remember, your righteousness is not based on your own good works, but on Jesus's finished work on the cross. I am Jehovah Canoe. your righteousness. I love you without condition. I am with you always. Step out in faith today. Knowing that I'm with you, I will help you, accomplish everything I've called you to do. Isn't that good news? I heard this this morning: "The victory of the cross is still in force. So enforce it. Yesterday, I just wrote this down. I thought it was really cool, but I'm going to tell you something first. I always look up the Greek Hebrew, you name it. In Matthew 18, for those of you or excuse me, 8:17, for those of you who need healing in your body today. In Isaiah 53, it says that Jesus, verse 5, was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities. The punishment for our peace fell upon him, and by his wounds we were healed. In, Isaiah, in Matthew 8:17, Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law, who was sick with fever. She probably had typhoid or something that was going to kill her. And then it says that he healed all those who were demon-possessed, and he healed everybody that was sick. And it says he did this in order that what was spoken by Isaiah the prophet would be fulfilled. So he fulfilled in his earthly walk what was prophesied 2,000 years before. So that the apostle Peter said in 1 Peter 2.24 that we would die to sin and live to righteousness by his whose wounds we have been healed. Past tense. Already done. But Listen. In Matthew 8, 17, it says, He himself took our sickness and bore away our diseases. I looked up bore away in the Greek. Now, this is so good. And it's bastazo, B-A-S-T-A-Z-O. And you know what I saw in that? The Spanish word, some of you already got it, basta. And what does that mean? Enough. I don't think that's a coincidence. Jesus said enough to sickness and disease. He wants a well people, a church that is well so that we can go out to the sick and and fulfill the kingdom, heal the sick. And that word bastazo, it means to remove by curing. I wrote this down yesterday. Jesus qualified the disqualified. I went to the Hebrews 11 Hall of Faith. And I started writing down the names of the people that made the the Hall of Faith. You ready? Noah, who was a drunk, stripped himself naked in front of his family and brought shame on him. Abraham, who was a liar and slept with another woman who gave him a son. Sarah, who urged her husband to sleep with another woman and then became a mean girl and drove the other woman that she had her husband sleep with out. Rahab, who was a known prostitute. Moses, who was a rageaholic and a murderer. David, who was an adulterer, a murderer and deceiver and was called a man after God's own heart. And Gideon, who was a coward, they're in the hall of faith. So what's your problem? Their actions did not qualify them. Their faith in a good God is what qualified them. Hebrews 11:34, I'm closing. In their weakness, their faith imputed power, imparted power, to make them strong faith sparked courage within them and they became mighty warriors in battle. And this is my favorite part, pulling armies from another realm into battle array. Who do you think those are? The angels. So I'm gonna ask you today, if you have struggled with qualifying, I just want you to stand up. I mean, I've laid my soul bare to you. I would think you'd be willing to do that. If you, if you have struggled with qualifying or performing, just stand up and let's just pray together. Join hands. Love one another. You know, we're in a season now, the Lord spoke to me, of holy hugs where Jesus just wants to hug us. He just wants to hug us. He wants to hug all of us. But he works through people. So hold hands. And if you don't struggle with that, then reach over and just touch somebody. Father, in Jesus' name, I just want to thank you that you did it all. We don't have to perform anymore. Don't have to earn your grace. It's yours to give. And so, Father, right now, I just stand on behalf of these whom I love so much and on behalf of myself and by faith, Lord, the faith of the Son of God who lives in us. We receive the abundance of grace. And the free gift of being right with you. Because we love the cross. And we thank you, Lord. Nudge us, remind us, Lord, when we get back into performance. Just remind us to stop. That's what Eve did in the garden. She tried to qualify when she was already qualified. We want to eat the fruit of the tree of life no longer the fruit of lies. So help us to stand against the strategies and the wiles and the deceptions of the devil to recognize that's just what they are and to live a life of truth. And thank you, Father. You're so good. We love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, Subscribe and share it with a friend. You can hear more messages by visiting ChosenEssay.com. Be sure to follow us at Essay on Facebook and Instagram.